Well, thank you guys. Thank you, choir. Thank our praise team. Thank all of you for taking part in worship. That song that uh, guys just sung, they were going to sing that last Sunday, and we just ran out of time. And uh, so, but I asked them to sing it today, so I appreciate you singing it today. If you brought your Bibles, turn to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1, over in the Old Testament. Nehemiah chapter 1, close to Ezra, if that'll help you, or in between Ezra and Esther, if that'll help you. So um, turn to the book of Nehemiah. Use your index. I'd rather for you use your index and follow along in some other book. <laughs> and they're hard to find sometimes in the Old Testament when we don't use them that often. But uh, it's God's Word, so we want to use it this morning. Nehemiah chapter 1. I want to share with you a sermon that I've entitled, When Will Revival Come? You know, our revival begins, um, revival effort, I like to refer to it as revival effort. It's not revival until God's people decide that they, they want to um, be filled with the Holy Spirit and be refreshed and renewed uh, by the Holy Spirit and be committed to what God would have them to do. So I refer to it as revival effort, but uh, May the 22nd, Sunday morning, on May the 22nd, we'll start our revival effort, and we'll go through Wednesday night, and so the 25th, and Brother Terry Long will be coming to share with us, and so I hope you'll make plans already. If you haven't marked your ca- calendar, please do so, and we'll meet for a series of uh, services, and so... Let me encourage you not to wait to then to ask the Lord to revive you. Before then, make that renewed commitment in your life. So today, when will revival come? Nehemiah chapter 1. And if you're physically able, if you would stand for the reading of God's Word, inerrant, infallible, inspired Word of God. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. The words of Nehemiah son of Hukalah, it came to pass in the month, in the month of Kislev, in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanai, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from captivity in the province are in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. And so it was when I heard these words that I sat down and I wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments and the statutes nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, 
if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out of the furthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and I'll bring them to the place which I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now, these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name, and let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cup barrier. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to worship, and now to... Part of this worship service is devoted to the preaching of your word. And so, Father, I pray that as your word went forth, I know it won't return void, but, Father, I pray that it would speak to the hearts of your people. I pray that it would speak to the hearts of every person here. And, God, as we reflect upon when will revival come. And so we need revival in our land, Lord. Your people have turned from you for whatever reasons. And so, Father, I pray that we'll see a great revival take place. Let it, begin, let it begin here and fill Campbell and travel all over this nation. And so, Father, I pray that revival will come. Help us to learn today as your Holy Spirit teaches us when will revival come. Help us to prepare for revival. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Let me just mention as I speak about revival, revival is not for the person's or for those who do not know Christ, but revival is for the believer, those who, for whatever reason, have, are not as committed as they once were. Uh, they're, uh, they've really not uh, kept Christian disciplines uh, in their life, and so we need revival when we begin to slip back, and we want to see when will revival come. Now, as we think about revival effort... The first Sunday in September, from the first Sunday in September 2021 to the last Sunday in November 2021, about 12 weeks, 13 weeks if you count the introduction, I preached every Sunday morning on revival. I taught every Sunday night for those 12 weeks about God's pattern for revival and spiritual awakening. So I preached and taught how we as individuals can have experienced genuine revival, nothing that's fake, but genuine revival, and as a church, how we could experience as a church genuine revival. And we learned during that period of time that revival is not just a date on a calendar. Revival is not just a series of meetings. Revival is not just when a guest evangelist comes and preaches six sermons. But the prefix re means again, and vive means to live, and so revival is for us to live again. Revival is when we as God's people allow the Holy Spirit of God to rekindle our love and our obedience to God in whom we say we love. That's revival. And so when that happens in your life, and when that happens in my life, we'll have a fresh encounter with God who saved us. Revival. When we experience a fresh encounter with God, we'll begin to love God 
more and more. We'll begin to obey God more and more. We'll begin to serve God more and more. We'll begin to love each other and serve each other more and more. We'll begin to forgive each other more and more. We'll, we'll have a burning desire to pray have a burning desire to, to read His Word and to study His Word. We'll have a burning desire to attend church more and more and more. As the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 10, 25, as we see the day approaching. You know, the Bible teaches us as, as we wait on the coming of the Lord Jesus and it's getting closer and closer and closer till He comes back for the believer, for the church. As we get closer to the Lord, we don't need to meet less. The Bible says we need to meet more as we see that day approaching. And when we're revived, we're then, hey, listen, we'll be here. We'll be here. We'll be at the church. We'll be praying with God's people, worshiping with God's people. As more and more as we see that day approaching. And so we'll have a burning desire to, to be with each other more. We'll have a burning desire to become more and more and more like Him. That's what sanctification is, becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Don't forget 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, real important verse. Whatever you do, whether you eat or whether you drink, do it all for the glory of God. Now think of that. Whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, do it all for the glory of God. And so revival will bring a burning desire to, to be more sanctified for God. Revival set apart for God. Revival will bring a burning desire to give more, a burning desire to go more, a burning desire, desire to share the gospel more when we experience revival. Now, I've discovered over the last 44 years that there are two primary reasons that people don't share the gospel. God's people don't share the gospel. Two reasons, primary reasons. Number one, they don't share because they don't have anything to share. They don't have a testimony. Many of God's people today do not have a testimony. They're really, they're not God's people. The Bible refers to them as hypocrites. But they've never been saved. The church is full of people who have never been saved. And that's not uncommon. Jesus had to deal with hypocrites when he was on the earth. But some people went through the motion, went through a baptismal service, prayed a prayer, but they never truly accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. They have the cognitive facts about Jesus. I mean, they know about God cognitively. They know about Jesus. They know about the Holy Spirit. They know about Him in their mind, but they have never had Him in their heart. Now listen, don't tell me how much you love the Lord if your life proves otherwise. And so it's, it's obvious that there are a lot of people in churches today who have never been saved, who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. But God says, let them along, let them grow together. Remember the parable that he gave? The parable where he says, don't be careful not to try to weed out the hypocrites because you may pull up some of the good with the bad. You just let them grow together. And, uh, and he said, there'll be, a, there'll be a, a weeding someday, and I'll gather the tares, and I'll burn the tares, and I'll put the wheat in the barn. So don't go around trying to point out hypocrites. Got to take care of the hypocrites. 
But make sure you've asked Christ Jesus to come into your life and save you, and your life shows that. There's one way you know that you're a Christian, one of many ways, but one way is that your life is not the same. That's why 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And so, so many today in the church have never trusted Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. I may be speaking to some today. That's not uncommon. Over my, my tenure here in this church, we've had a number of people who came down this aisle and said, Brother Sammy, one, one person said, I've been a member of this church for 42 years and I've never been saved. Had a deacon to tell me one time, Brother Sammy, I, I, I've never been saved. I've been faking it all these years. And so that happens. That's why the Bible says to, to examine yourself, to see if you are a child of God. So always remember, remember that let our testimony match our walk and match our talk. Don't forget 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared, be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but also do it with gentleness and do it with respect. And so we're to share the gospel. When we get revived, we'll be sharing the gospel. Now, here's, here's, a, here's a question. Has the Holy Spirit said to you this morning, through this montage of Christian disciplines that I shared, that has the Holy Spirit said to you, you, as a believer, need revival. You need to be revived. You need a fresh encounter of the Holy Spirit of God to stir those smoldering embers of your Christian life that once was on fire for God and the things of God, and now it's just not there like it once was. You need revival. Well, when will revival come? I want to list about uh, three, things, three things if you're taking notes. First of all, I jotted this down from Nehemiah chapter 1. When will revival come? Revival comes when we recognize the need. Recognize the need. You see, before revival comes, we have to recognize the need for revival. Nehemiah, he was busy with his job. He was a cup barrier for the king. He tasted all the king's beverages before he drank it. He tasted his food before he ate the food. He wanted to make sure the king was protected. He was a cup bearer, very important to the king. He was going about his daily routine. And sometimes we get so busy with our daily routine, get so busy with work and school and cooking and cleaning and yard work and hauling hay and all of that stuff that we become spiritual blind to our spiritual needs. And all of a sudden, your spiritual walls just come tumbling down. Your prayer life is not what it once was. Your Bible study, not what it once was. Your evangelism zeal, not what it once was. Not only your spiritual walls, but your personal walls, such as your finances, perhaps. Having trouble with your finances, having trouble with your marriage, having trouble with your children. All these things enter in when, you're, when you need revival. When that fire's not burning like it should be for the Lord. I had a lady say to me one time, I was sharing with her, and she said, Brother Sammy, I just feel like my world is falling apart. Well, check your spiritual life and see how that is when you feel that way. So, in order to have revival, when will revival come? When we recognize the need. 
Number two, jot this down. When will revival come? When we respond in desperation. Verse 4 says this in Nehemiah 1. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and I wept and I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Notice what he did. First of all, he sat down. And what did he sit down? He sat down to evaluate everything. You're going to have to pause from time to time and just sit down and begin to evaluate your relationship with the Lord. The point is, would you be willing just to stop for a moment and, and stop your routine just for a moment long enough to evaluate your situation? Just look at your life and in your relationship with the Lord. How's your prayer life doing? How's your Bible study doing? Those are, just natural, those are just natural things that we're to do as Christians. How's your serving? How's your witnessing going? So revival begins by someone just sitting down and evaluating their spiritual condition. So first thing he did before he went to build the wall, rebuild the wall in Jer Jerusalem, he sat down and he began to evaluate. The second thing he did, if you take your notes, he began to weep. He wept. He wept as he began to evaluate. Now listen to this. Jot this down. If we never take the time to evaluate, there will be no weeping. If you don't evaluate your spiritual life, you're not going to cry over your spiritual life. Take time to evaluate your spiritual life. Parents, think, just think of yourselves just for a moment as a parent. In your spiritual life, as you are demonstrating your spiritual life to your children, to your family, to your spouse, how's that going? Do they, do they, know, do they hear you praying? Do they see you praying? Do, do you tell them you're praying for them, your spouse, praying for your children? Do you have devotional time together, perhaps? Do you have, uh, do you, do you have uh, Bible study time together? How is all that going with you personally as a parent, as you relate to your spouse and to your other members of your family, your relationship with Jesus. Think. He sat down, he evaluated, he wept. Think, just think of where you once were in your spiritual life. Have you seen a decline? Think where you are now in your spiritual life. Think about your witness. Think about your spiritual effect that you're having on your family, on your children. Just think. You'll never experience true revival till you sit down and begin to evaluate your life and think for a while. One day, one day, if you don't do that as a parent, I believe one day you're going to regret that you put the world before God and the things of God when you see the world get into your children. And you'll regret those times that you didn't have Christ first in your life. Youth, what about you? What about your relationship with the Lord? What about your testimony before your peers? What about your commitment to the Lord? Now listen, how long has it been since you shed tears over your fallen walls, over your spiritual condition? How long has that been? How long, have you, how long has it been since you shed tears over the lost condition of a family member, a lost condition of a friend, a neighbor, 
someone that you're praying for to be saved, but you haven't prayed for them in a while, does it, does it really not matter to you that your spiritual walls need rebuilding and your gates are burned down? Does it, does it matter? See, where's the tears? So Nehemiah responded. He sat down, he wept, and noticed he prayed. See, before revival comes, there, there must be prayer. It's, it's kind of a, it's a warfare that we're in. It's a spiritual warfare. The Bible says the devil is, is roaming to and fro, seeking, to, seeking whom he may devour. And as a believer, as a Christian, I mean, he's got his sights on you. He's got his sights on me. So we're in a spiritual war. And we're number one on his list. And I'm convinced with all of my heart that most of our praying today is just superficial praying. Superficial. By that I mean, we'll say, well, Lord, bless this and bless that and give me this and give me that and bless the sick and do this and do that. And oh, yeah, if it be your will, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Here's the point. Don't get trapped in just superficial praying. How long has it been since you really, really, really prayed? Nehemiah wanted to see revival. He sat down, he wept, he fasted, and he prayed. He wanted revival. However, if you can do without revival, most people will. They'll just don't want no part of it as a believer. So when will revival come? When you realize your need... When you become desperate, you sit down, you weep, and you pray. And I'm going to end with this. When you request deliverance, this is found in verses 5 through 11. Now, what did he do? Look at verses five, verse 5. And he said, Nehemiah said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant, mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Please let your ear be attentive, your eyes open, that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants. Confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. So when you get serious about wanting a revival, after you sat down, after you wept, after you prayed, God spoke into your heart, when you get serious, first thing you'll do, you'll confess your sins. You'll confess your sins, just like he did. He says, we have sinned, your people Israel have sinned, our fathers have sinned. But then he said something else. What did he say? He said, I have sinned. I have sinned. It's easy to point out the sins of everybody else. But you can't point, I can't point at Brother Philip. I got three pointing back at me because I'm a sinner also, see? And when I realize that my spiritual walls are falling and caving in, I'll sit down and I'll evaluate and I'll weep and I'll pray and then I'll confess my sin. Now, word confess means to see it as God sees it. You say, God, I know you see my prayer life like I see it. I see it like you see it. And I've sinned. I've committed the sin of prayerlessness. Forgive me, Lord, for that sin. And so he says, we have sinned. Then he says, I have sinned. When was the last time you said to God, I have sinned? Revival will never come into your life until you confess your sinfulness. Now, what's involved in deliverance? First of all, there's a confession. Notice there's also a repentance. Look at verse 8. 
Remember, I pray, the, the word that you commanded your servant Moses said, and here's a real important word. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations, verse 9, but if you return to me, that's repentance, when you return to him. If you've been unfaithful in the past, he says, if you return to me, verse 9, do the, uh, my commandments and, and do them, and though some of you were cast out to the furthest part of the heavens, yet will I gather them from there and bring them to a place which I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. And so you repent. Revival, revival is conditional. If, if. Revival is not just a miracle that takes place. Revival is conditional on repentance. Second Chronicles 7.14, you know that by memory perhaps. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins and I'll heal their land. If, if is conditional. If is a conditional word. If you will humble yourself and pray. If. So God's wanting to send revival to those who repent. And revival can come when you repent. And what's involved in this, uh, de this deliverance you're seeking? Confession, repentance, and lastly, commitment. You know, ne Nehemiah never gave up. God called him to rebuild those walls. He never quit. He never gave up. Never gave up. When his enemies made front, fr uh, fun of him and mocked him, he just continued to work. He never gave up. And so the, the point is, God's looking for people today who will stick it out until the walls are rebuilt. God's looking for people who will stay committed. Let me ask you this. Are you a quitter? Just, are, you a, are, you, are you a quitter? You see, if you're a quitter, God can't use you to build his wall. That's what he's telling Nehemiah. Nehemiah knew he was to be committed. So here's the point. We need preachers who won't quit. We need deacons who won't quit. We need lay people who won't quit. We need those who won't quit, who will never get up. You may be real knowledgeable in the Bible. You may know a lot of theology. But unless you commit yourself to the Lord Jesus, you're no different than the person who's without Christ. You may know the Bible backward and forward. You know, the Pharisees knew the Bible, but they rejected Jesus. You may know all this, the, uh, this theology, but unless you're willing to commit yourself to the Lord Jesus, you're no better than the person who's without Jesus. The point is, can your life be unquestionable when it comes to commitment? You say, well, Brother Sammy, why do people quit? It's very simple. They're not committed. That's why they quit. They weren't committed to begin with. My dad, and I've shared this before from pulpit, he had a good point. We were talking one day, and I said, well, we had three people saved at church. And he said, well, we had, we had one to make a commitment. Boy, that's a lot. You see, salvation comes with a commitment. Commitment. That's what it comes with. See, God's wanting to send revival to those who are willing to work and rebuild the walls. Your spiritual walls 
your own life, but also the work that he has for us to do. So when, re when will revival come? When we recognize the need, when we respond in desperation and sit down and weep and pray, and when we request deliverance through confession and repentance and commitment. Let me ask you the question I did a few minutes ago. Do you need revival? Do you need revival? Has God spoken to you and said, hey, you need to be revived? You know, you don't have to wait to May 22nd to, to begin your revival experience. You can begin it today by just doing what God asks us to do. Humble ourselves and pray. Seek his face. Turn from our wicked ways. Then he'll heal us individually and he'll heal our land. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for our time together this morning. And as we're praying for revival effort, I pray that revival begins in the hearts of so many. Lord, let it begin in my heart. Let me experience a fresh encounter with you on a daily basis. Father, help me, I pray, to, to pray more. Forgive me when I've committed that sin of prayerlessness. Help me to read my Bible more, not just for sermon preparation, Lord, but just devotional time. Help me to study more, study harder, Lord. Help me to be a witness for you. Help me to have a desire to witness, to see people come to know you. Help me to realize the condition of a person that's without Christ. Help me weep over those who are lost. Help me, Father, I pray. Convict me of the sin in my life. Lord, as, if you, as you call me, Lord, to be an under-shepherd and lead this church, help me, Father, I pray, to be what I'm supposed to be. Help me not just preach your word, but obey your word and, and uh, your commandments, Lord. Help me, I pray today, to be what you want me to be. Revive my spirit, I pray, O oh God. Allow your Holy Spirit to touch my life and revive me and give me that fresh encounter of your Holy Spirit. Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Not that I have more of you, but that you have more of me. Help me, I pray today, in Jesus' name, amen.